Welcome to the Drive Deeper Podcast, where we gather together on your morning commute to dive deeper into the scripture and give you a word to meditate on the rest of the day so that you can walk closely with the Lord during your busy week. Today we're going to be diving into Mark chapter 8, and we're going to be focusing in on two verses. We're going to look at verses 17 and 18, where Jesus says this to his disciples. Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? You can hear Jesus' frustration with his disciples. The context of these piercing questions is the feeding of the 4,000. Shortly after Jesus fed the 5,000, once again, he feeds the multitudes. We see Jesus work in a way that is far beyond human comprehension to display his ability to provide. Now, The first time he feeds the 5,000, as we discussed just a few days ago, Jesus does this on the coattails of the disciples being sent out into Galilee with no money, with no bread, with no bag. And they've learned functionally what it looks like to place their trust in God to provide for them. Then Jesus puts this trust in God's provision to the test. When 5,000 men plus women and children are sitting before them in the wilderness, and he says, let's feed them. You've seen God provide in your life individually, and this should have developed an unshakable trust in his ability to provide. Now, how far does that faith go? You are becoming a shepherd of the people. You've learned as a sheep that God is your provider, but will you trust in him to provide for the sheep now? And unfortunately, the disciples fail this test. They look at it from a purely human standpoint of We don't have enough money to provide for these people. It would take 200 denarii just to give a bit of bread to each person. And yet Jesus supernaturally provides in the wilderness to show that he, once he leads his people out, once he delivers them, when he is their teacher and their God, that he is going to provide for them. The feeding of the 4,000 happens on the coattails of the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus once again leads them to a desolate place in the Decapolis on the east side of the Jordan in the very wilderness where the people of Israel would have wandered around for 40 years to learn what it looked like to place their trust in God and rely upon him after he's humbled them and made them go hungry to see that men do not live on bread alone but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He brings them in this wilderness again to test their trust in God provision. 
Jesus has compassion on the multitude of people who have been walking with him and listening to his teachings. He says that they have been with him for three days and his heart is compassionate. He knows they don't have any food left and he desires to provide what they need. So this is what he says to his disciples. Verse 2. I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. So Jesus doesn't yet say, let's feed them. What do you guys think we should do? But he tells them what is going on in his heart. He lets them know the compassion he has for these people, and he gives them a space to step out in faith in his ability to provide what he is desiring for these people. Rather than looking to him in belief, they look inside and doubt even him to be able to provide. Listen to what they say in verse 4. Verse 4, and his disciples answered him, how can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? I mean, that's just piercing, isn't it? They've already seen Jesus do this exact thing in an exact place like this. In the wilderness, in a desolate place, he provides for the 5,000. And yet his disciples say, how can anyone provide bread for these people in a desolate place? And so what does Jesus do? He asks them a question again, offering them a space to step out in faith. He says this, how many loaves do you have? And they said seven. Now, as I read through this passage a few times over uh, the last two days, I wondered, what is the significance of seven? Okay, in the first one, we see five and two, which he multiplies into 12 full baskets. We know he's definitely teaching the disciples individually, each one of them. Look, there's a basket full for each of you. But what is the significance of the number seven? Maybe it's completion. I can provide entirely, perfectly for my people. And that's certainly true. And I think that's a a helpful observation. But I think there's something that's even more simple than that. The first time he feeds the 5,000, he has five loaves. This time, they have seven. They have more than they did the first time when Jesus provided for the 5,000 plus. This time, there are less people and more loaves of bread. Are you going to trust me to provide in this situation? Because you've already seen what I was able to do with less for more people. Will you trust me now? Have you learned based on what you've seen? Will you remember what I've previously done and take that into the present moment so that you can believe I will do it again? And just as he did with the 5,000, Jesus miraculously provides for about 4,000 people. His disciples see this. Mark then continues on the narrative 
and says that they got into the boat to go to the other side of the sea. And in verse 14, he says this, now they had forgotten to bring bread and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. So they don't have any bread and they're worried about this. They're concerned. What are we going to do? We only have one loaf. We should have brought some with us from the provision that he's given. Oh my goodness. What are we going to do? And Jesus responds by saying this. Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of the broken pieces did you take up? And they said 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of the broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, Do you not yet understand? At this point, there is no reason that the disciples should not wholeheartedly be placing their trust in Jesus to provide. God has given them ample evidence of his willingness and ability to give them what they need and far beyond it. He's shown them his willingness and ability not just to take care of them, but of his people as a whole. And yet, this has not had an impact on their lives. Jesus asks some really pointed and piercing questions because the thing is they have with their eyes and their ears seen and heard what has happened when he has provided incredibly for the people before. And yet their hearts are hardened. This has not transformed the way they have lived at all. This has not instilled an unwavering trust in him yet. Their hearts are hardened. The things that they see and hear are not penetrating the surface of their hearts because it is rock hard. It is not making an impact on their heart. When our hearts are hardened like this, we are living in functional idolatry. In Jeremiah, in Isaiah, we see that the consequence of idolatry, of worshiping idols, of bowing down and serving false gods, of putting others before the Lord, is that you become like the idols you worship. Physical idols have eyes but cannot see, ears but cannot hear, feet but cannot walk. And so as a result of this, though you're hearing and seeing what God is doing, 
Your eyes are seeing, but your heart is not perceiving. Your ears are hearing, but you're not understanding. So Jesus says, have you seen all of this? And one, do you not remember? Have you already forgotten what I've just done? Because how I've worked in the past has to shape the way you live in the present and the expectations for how I'm going to work in the future. But it's obvious that it's not. Seeing and hearing must lead to transformed living. How long will we allow the Lord to work in our lives to show his ability to deliver us, to show his ability to provide for us, and then to live like he is unable to do that for me now, to live without a trust in his ability to do that in the future. Jesus points out two problems. We are forgetful. God has worked incredibly in our lives in the recent past and throughout human history. And yet we're so forgetful that this does not have an impact on the way that we live our lives today. Additionally, our hearts are hardened so that even when we are experiencing these things in the present, it's not shaping our hearts so that we live differently from here on out. So brothers and sisters, this morning, I want to call you to look back on the incredible ways that the Lord has worked in your life, in the lives of those you love and that are in your circle whom you know. And look in the scripture to see the ways that God has worked mightily in the lives of his people throughout history. God has shown himself to be faithful. God has shown himself to be a deliverer and a provider. And we need to have an unwavering trust in him to do those things, to be those things in our life today and every day, in this moment and every moment, because he is worthy of our trust. So we have to remember these things so that what has happened will have an impact on the way that I am living now. Additionally, we need to check our hearts. Are our hearts being impacted by these things? Are our hearts being impacted by the truths of the scripture that we're reading in the morning, that we're hearing on Sundays in messages, by the works of God that we're seeing in our own life and in the lives of others? Because if our hearts are not being impacted, there's something going wrong. We are living in functional idolatry because we are not perceiving and we are not understanding. Because if we were, our hearts would be changed and our lives would be changed. So today I call you with me to examine where you are at in this. Turn from unbelief. Turn from forgetfulness. 
Cast your eyes upon the Savior, upon the Redeemer, upon the Deliverer, upon the Provider, and trust in Him for all that you need today and every day. I promise you that He will not disappoint and you will not be put to shame.